0: If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. With everything going on in the world, we're hearing things, again, as we always do in our industry, about workplace culture and our new virtual culture and talent engagement, and we have to have an engaged culture. I think systemically we have to address something else, and that is something called subcultures. A subculture is a collection of people that communicate, influence, persuade, judge, approve, disapprove what's going on in the workplace. So in one of my last episodes, I had shared two people that were working in a retail environment of their disdain for their employer and their specific boss and the hours they had to work. And I had kind of tricked them into sharing with me that There wasn't a lunchroom or anything where they could take a break or talk. And I found out that they weren't on break, yet they were spending, I think it was 22 and a half minutes in this one aisle of a retail store, large retail chain, complaining. And I thought that's almost a full hour of work that legally these two people have to get paid for. Yet they weren't working. They were complaining. That is a subculture. And subcultures do something very interesting. They recruit members. So, how often have we had that negative person on the team or in the company that we work for? They don't stay silent, do they? We often hear the term water cooler people. Water cooler people are people who are negative and they have opinions. They aren't quiet people. They recruit disciples. They recruit members of their tribe. That subculture, sadly, at times can be very powerful, as can positive subcultures. So it begs the question, why don't people speak up more? Why don't subcultures bring things to upper level management's attention? Let me share another quick story with you. And I've shared this in some past episodes. I remember going to a neighbor's picnic and it was at their house. And there was a gentleman there who was really boasting about how much money he made. And he was in the medical field and, and uh, he was a single guy, I believe divorced, really just kind of spouting off and how women's role in the world was at home making babies. And he was really loud and obnoxious, a lot of bravado. And someone shared with him that my wife was in the medical field. And immediately, he starts talking about nursing. And I'll never forget it because the backyard went quiet. Because people know I don't fear that stuff and whether right or wrong, I just thought, wow, he went to nursing. Couldn't possibly be a physician. She must be a nurse. Now my wife happens to be a pediatrician. She's a physician. So as he went on. I approached him, which nobody else was doing. Meaning, when you have people who are like this, and if you don't agree, people don't speak up, they walk away. That's a subculture. That's the result of a subculture. So, the second thing is when I approached this gentleman and I said, You know, I, I just would really encourage you to just kind of tone it down a little bit because. I think you're making some comments that are making some people uneasy. This is our neighbor. He goes, I've been coming to this party for years. I said, okay. And I said, yeah, I, I think you're talking about your personal income. And he just made a comment about my wife being a nurse. And he said, well, today's nurses, blah, blah, blah. And I said, stop. I said, you have mentioned how much money you're making, right? I said, my wife makes double what you do. Everybody in this party's now staring at you. Are you ready? It's going to get worse. Do you want to continue the conversation? My wife is not at home making babies and cleaning the house because she chose a career which I respect. So stop labeling women and stop talking about how she must be a nurse when she's a physician. And I believe she makes a good two to three times more than you. By the way, everybody in the party is staring at you. Now, for those of you who think I'm an absolute jerk for doing this, this gentleman was boasting this stuff for almost an hour and a half. And it gets worse. And so as I got done, I could tell that his facial expression had changed. He was a little bit humiliated. Sadly, that was a little bit of my objective because the party was just waiting for this guy to leave. And I'm like, why is someone not asking this guy to leave? And he abruptly put down his glass and left the party. I went up to my neighbors and I said, I am so sorry. That was not my place to do that. They said, oh, Thank God you did that. I said, What? They said, Tim, he's been coming to this party for like 11 years. Hopefully he doesn't come back next year. And I thought to myself, You have allowed this guy to come to your house for 11 years and do that and make everybody else uncomfortable? That's a subculture. See, there are pockets of people who have opinions, there are pockets of people who have great ideas. So our cultures have to allow or disallow something. We have to allow the people with ideas, visibility to tough challenges to speak up without retribution. Upper level management, hear this and hear this loud. The number one question I get, how do I talk to upper level management without it biting me in the ass? Meaning they don't trust you. I'm not saying they should trust you or not trust you. What I'm saying is that is the most common question we get. So, when people don't speak up, the subcultures that are negative recruit those members. Because it's easy to sit in that aisle at the store and complain. Nobody can really hear us. People have opinions. So, what do we do about all this, right? What do we do about these subcultures? One, you have to have rules of engagement. Two, those rules of engagement need to be practiced. Let me give you the first one. Upper level management, call people into your office and have what we call listening conversations. When you ask them, what are you seeing on the front lines? What are some ideas you have? Do not use the word but and do not approve or disapprove of their decisions. Thank them for their decision to share with you. Thank them for sharing what's on their mind. Breed the communication. The next rule of engagement, only go to the source. Do not talk positively or negatively about other people without talking to them first. Let me give you another subculture example. So I have coached volleyball on and off for 30 years. And I ask people all the time, as a youth sports coach, what do you think is my toughest job? Nobody gets it wrong. It's the parents. And I will never forget a conversation, and this is a common conversation, when a parent says to me, because their kid's not playing, we're not having a good experience. I always smile. And I give him a big smile. And I'll have a mom say to me in one of my last conversations when I was coaching, she said, why are you smiling? I said, well, I think we've got this all wrong. She said, we've got what all wrong? I said, this whole thing. I said, I I really think this is going to really clear things up for you and me and your son. This is awesome. And I smile. She has no clue what I'm alluding to. She said, Tim, I'm not not following you. And I said, oh, I know. I'm going to clear it up. Who do I coach? She said, excuse me? I said, who do I coach? Well, my son and the rest of the guys. I said, stop. Go back to your first statement. What did you say? She said, we're not having a good experience. I said, who's we? And she goes red. I said, look, I'm going to make a comment. And I'm going to make a comment that's going to really offend you. And I said, can we be perfectly honest with each other and really, really, really blunt, really blunt? And she said, sure. I said, awesome. Why would I take the parent's opinion into consideration before you answer? Are you answering for everybody or are you answering for your son? There's a difference. And I said, now, number one, give that question some thought. Number two, here's my next question for you. Do parents complain about my coaching in the stands and complain about what I'm doing right or wrong? And she begins to go red. I said, look, I know I'm making you feel very uneasy. Let me share with you why before you give me your answers. One, I don't care what parents think. I was not hired to coach parents. Number two, if you all get together and you all decide who should be in the starting lineup and you're all in agreement on starting lineups and playing time, I'll do whatever you guys want. But you orchestrate it. That's a subculture. People sitting in the stands with little or no experience with the sport, complaining or approving what you're doing. Now, for the most part, we had awesome parents. Yet there's those people who will approve or disapprove of what you're doing. And so as a leader, sometimes we have to just turn a blind eye. I was never hired to coach parents. The we thing was never a part of my objective. My criteria for success was always making sure my boys had a good experience. If a kid came to me and said, coach, I'm not enjoying this. I would do whatever I could, but I can't take the parents experience into consideration because that's not part of my objective. There's two ships passing in the dark. Those are subcultures, parents talking in the stands, and then it becomes an extension of the program. The boys' volleyball program is good or bad or whatever their opinion was because of their perspective. Yet, few of them will share it to your face, but they'll share it with anyone in the community who will listen. The same thing happens in the workplace. And oh, by the way, let me give you one more example. Do not for a second think the virtual world does not have subcultures. See, it's almost safer now to communicate. Because you can have meetings, you can have phone calls, you can text your fellow employee. Let me give you another example. We have a client who had two employees who were really, really struggling with their work together for many, many, many years. And they finally got on a call together and they both found out that they had golden retrievers. Here was the amazing thing. They never knew this in seven or eight years of working together. Never, ever knew it. So think about that. And so I asked both parties, I said, well, do you think this will help your relationship? And they immediately thought, yeah, this is, this is interesting. It's a different perspective. And lo and behold, that conversation got shared to me by another employee. And one of the people had made the comment about, I don't care if the other person has a golden retriever, I still will never like her. Now, I knew that that conversation took place because the same thing, the same information that was shared in my conversation with this this employer, one of the two employees, was also shared with another employee. And I thought, wait a minute, you just told me it was going to help the relationship. Now, things that were shared in my conversation were shared with another employee And what was shared, at least according to this employee, is it was dumb. Now, here's the other part of subcultures. People don't listen very well. They take what you say and they emotionally interpret it. They spin it. They put their own flavor on it. And oh boy, do they share it with other people. Rules of engagement. Upper level management. Call people in. Ask them what their opinion is. Ask them what their views are. Ask them what they think the team could be doing better. And just listen. Don't ask them to talk about other people. Number two, have a rule. Only go to the source. Here's my third major suggestion. Build commonality amongst employees. Don't let the subcultures of negativity strengthen. Here's how. During this pandemic crisis, we had particular company that was really struggling. They struggled to work together. They did not have a great relationship within the ranks. And what we did is we created a rotating coffee schedule. Once a week for 20 minutes, you had to meet with someone else on the team and you had to just find out two things you had in common with that person, which does what? It fosters conversation and it absolutely demands listening skills. And then you had to share it at the end of the week. Guess what happened? they started to work more effectively together. So at the foundation of our culture are subcultures, subcultures that approve, disapprove, influence, persuade, recruit. And it's not in the middle. It's either to be positive or to be negative. Nobody goes home at the end of the day and your spouse or significant other says, honey, how was your day? And somebody says, neutral, didn't have a feeling from eight to five. Opinions are formed by the people we interact with. Let me give you one last example. I have a friend who just joined a company and their offices, is uh, part virtual and part in the office with social distancing practices. And he shared something with me, very interesting. He said, I left a couple meetings and it was really interesting. We were really spread out for social distancing, everybody was wearing masks. He said, but you could see people who were whispering. And it was his first 72 hours on the job. And he said, when somebody was talking and they were using video conference, you could see that people would lean back and kind of whisper to each other. He said, I don't know what was said, but I know two things. One, it wasn't shared with the group. Two, there was an element of not wanting to share with other people because the hands were over the masks and they were whispering. And it could have just been about, are you going out for dinner tonight with your husband? Are you gonna pick up some milk from the grocery store? Probably not. It was probably something to do with that particular meeting. He immediately became uncomfortable. And I asked him, I said, well, what's your impression? He said, this is a really negative workplace culture. And I said, hold on a second. I said, just think about this just for a second. People are seven, eight feet apart. They're leaning towards each other. They're whispering. Maybe they're just craving human interaction. You don't really factually know what they were saying. It made you uncomfortable, which is important. Have you thought about sharing that with those two people? Now, I want everybody to hear this. This guy is powerful, doesn't lack confidence. And he said, I don't want to rock the boat. I just joined the company. So what is he really saying? I got to find out where I fit in. Where do we fit in? We don't fit into the whole corporate culture. We fit into subcultures. We find the people we have things in common with. We find the people that have the same principles and values we do. We don't look for people who are different, who have different opinions. And then we label and we judge and we approve and we disapprove. So the funny thing is, what can we do? We have to get people conversing, talking to each other, have them get to know each other, build some commonality. Number two, have a rule, only go to the source. Number three, upper level management, call people into the office for conversations And even if you disagree, don't disagree. At least not right there. Share with them. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. Breed the communication going upward. Last, get people understanding their role and responsibility of being a great employee. If you don't have it defined, create a definition. A great employee is fill in the blank. Somebody who does what? List the attributes and actions. Somewhere along the line, subcultures began to drive workplace cultures. See, we have corporate values and principles and trust and integrity and all that good stuff. Really? Then why is trust so low as you go up the organizational chart? Doesn't mean people are being dishonest, but people literally will have a lack of trust. I'll share another example. I was talking to a client of ours in upper level management. had announced that they were going to have some awards and bonuses during a pandemic crisis. Cash awards, gift cards. And this person immediately became disjointed and thought, if I don't get one, that's unfair. He already started to judge a management team doing something very nice during a pandemic crisis. Well, they're just going to give it to the people they like, was one of his comments. So think about that just for a second. That's a subculture. Now, do we ever eradicate or erode subcultures? No. Can we give them rules of engagement to follow to hold them accountable and have criteria to coach them? Absolutely. That's why I go back to parents in volleyball. I was never hired to coach parents. A boss in the workplace was never hired to coach people to work effectively together. Now, before you disagree with that statement, let me give it a little bit of substance. How often do we hear people say, well, those two just don't get along? Or that guy's just kind of the elephant in the room. Nobody really likes him. He just doesn't really have anything positive to say. And a boss really wants to do what? He or she wants to... Provide the services, produce the products, engage with the customers. Yet, over 90% of workplace challenges have to do with the way we interact with each other. Do we get along? Do we understand? Attitude, someone lacking motivation, no sense of urgency. He thinks he's better than everybody else. Those subculture attributes become the responsibility of the leader to do what? to ignore, to fix, to coach, to mentor, yet they have to deal with them. See, the funny thing is, is a team is a collection of different people, different goals, different personalities, different objectives, different abilities, different capacities, different levels of emotional intelligence. They're thrown together. We don't become focused on the work that the other person does. We typically become focused on Do I like that person? Do I get along? Do we share the same principles and values? And employees have to be taught. They have to be nurtured to understand that everybody's different. They have to learn to embrace people who are different. They have to learn and be coached and mentored and trained on how to build commonality. When we have commonality, walls come crashing down. Last story. One of my favorite stories, we had a manufacturing client, we had two departments, credit and finance. You'd think they'd talk every day. Their departments, their cubicles were right next to each other. The bosses' offices were next to each other. They hadn't spoken 18 months, not even a hello in the hallway, not making this up. And I remember a young guy, about 6'5, loved sand volleyball. So he and I instantly connected. And we started to have these rotating coffee breaks. And it was amazing. He met with a woman about 58, and there's a little bit of a stereotype here, and neither one of us, present company included, thought she's going to love beach volleyball, and she did. It was one of her favorite things to do was play it, go to the tournaments, watch people play. They hadn't spoken two or three years. Their whole relationship was email-driven. Conversations are powerful. Commonality is powerful. Creating rules of engagement so we understand how to interact and behave with each other is powerful. Don't let subcultures drive your culture. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called Coach to You